As an engineering leader, you know firsthand that achieving work-life balance can be hard. Many business owners struggle with the balance between their personal lives and their work. This leads to stress and a feeling of regret. But that's not the case for the listeners of the Engineer Your Success podcast with Dr. James Bryant. This podcast provides tools, tips, and techniques to help you achieve success both in business and in life. Tune in. Let's engineer your success today. I want to welcome you to the Engineer Your Success podcast. My name is Dr. James Bryan, and I'm your host for today's show. I have the absolute pleasure of being able to interview Mr. Brandon Miller. Brandon, how are you doing today? Fantastic. It is a little bit of a a rainy morning here in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, but other than that, it is just a, a pleasure to be with you. Thanks for the invite, James. No, no, that's pretty cool. So, Brandon... You know, as you know, uh, I do know that you actually listen to the show. You are a a frequent listener to the Engineer Your Success podcast. Whether I, you know it or not, you spend a couple of miles with me uh, at least one morning every week. <laughs> no, no, I appreciate that. And and so Brandon has reached out on LinkedIn and other times, you know, letting me know and on Facebook, you know, letting me know the impact that some of the episodes have had. And I absolutely wanted to have Brandon on the show because I think he has a very interesting story. So Brandon, we're going to include the links for people to know more about you. Your bio is going to be in the show notes, things like that. But what I do ask every guest is tell us something about you that would not show up in that bio. Yikes. Well, um, way to start with a softball. Thanks, James. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, Many people get to a, a level in their career or, or they have this this vision when they start out, and that is awesome. Um, I wandered for a ton of years and, and just acquired bits and pieces as I went along. Um, I'm completely self-educated. Uh, I actually started uh, or started in college, never finished a degree program, but started in physics, um, largely due to uh, some bad uh, high school counseling advice because they wanted to, to say that they sent somebody off to get a physics major, I think. Uh, but it didn't fit. Uh, and, and college really didn't fit for me. Um, so what was left to do? You got to pay rent somehow. So I, I spent years in, in multiple different careers trying to find a way that, that fit for me. Oh, wow. So, you know, you started out, people were trying to put you in this box as, as you know, so you must've been good at math and science. So they say, Oh yeah, he's good at math and science. He'll be great at physics. You get to college and you're like, eh, this is not working for me. And so you spend time kind of testing things out and dabbling here and there to cobble a career and a life that fit you. And finding alternate ways to learn. And that was the big thing. Uh, in high school, I was pretty okay at, at math and science, but it was very easy for me, the high school level stuff. So I never established routines. I never established study habits. When I got to to college and you were expected to just get that stuff done and have those practices in place. And I didn't have those. And then I I quickly found that without those, I I lost interest in the things that, that sparked my, my fantasy and my wonder about the world of, of physics and science altogether. So again, getting into to business and, and trying to pay the bills had to figure out what method of learning actually connected with, with me. Oh, wow. Okay. So 
it, that's interesting that you bring that you bring that up. And I think this is absolutely key it, is that schooling and education is not just about that end result. It's not just about the grade. It's not about the degree, but it's learning how to learn and building in those habits. And because those habits weren't there, it wasn't fun anymore. You weren't getting good grades. You weren't understanding. And so you weren't getting that dopamine hit of, you know, I'm, I'm excelling, I'm exceeding. There was no motivation or momentum. 100%. And, and really, you know, the, the disconnect um, between the instruction. I went to a large university, Virginia Tech, which I love, still love it. Um, but coming from a very small town in, in West Virginia, where I went to high school, where we had 210 people in our entire graduating class, most of our classes would have had uh, 12 to 15 people in them. Mm-hmm. And my freshman year at Tech, every class I had was 300, 400, 500 people in all of your 101s. And, you know, just here's a little guy standing up on stage that you can barely see from the back row, um, facing away from you, writing on a a then chalkboard, give you a little bit of my age, um, for 50 minutes, you know, and then drops his chalk, walks out of the room, and we're left to to deal with the the syllabus to complete. Wow. Wow. I didn't know how similar our stories were. Uh, Brandon, I, I started out at Drexel University in Philadelphia, kind of had the same experience of being a, a really, you know, a whole bunch of students in the class and getting lost in all of that. So that's, that's pretty cool. And I also, I went to grad school at Virginia Tech. So there's, there's several awesome. multiple connections. There, but <laughs> yes, yes. But let's get, let's get back to your story. Let's get back to your story. So from there, um, you know, again, I was paying my own way through college. Um, and that was another distraction is, you know, um, I was working for the world's absolute worst boss, um, but that was actually an okay thing for me. I, I was re- pretty malleable, didn't really care. But every time somebody else called in sick or quit, they would call me and say, do you want to pick up more hours? So then I was had this dilemma. Do I want to go to class and and be feel like I'm lost, feel bored, feel uninspired? Or do I want to go make time and a half and it's only Tuesday because I've worked 12 hour shifts the first two days or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So I would always choose to go to work. Well, in the meantime, some of the most valuable lessons that I've ever learned are what not to do. (laughs) So I learned. What were some of those? What were some of those things? Well, again, the the, the world's worst boss. Um, And again, I won't say what, what company or or who this person was. I remember her name very vividly, Um, (laughs) but it was, essentially one of the things that we all do. And and I've never done this to my kids, but I've heard maybe other parents have Um, is they see an issue and they expect the employee to see the same issue and resolve it. And then they see it again and it's still unresolved. And then they see it a third time and it's still unresolved. So they yell at the employee because they didn't do something they were never told to do. Yeah. I know some parents out there may have done this to their children Again, I've only heard read about that in stories. <laughs> <laughs> well, not only not only parents, but uh, managers will do the same thing, and it's this whole ideal that people can't read your mind. Guilty. They cannot one hundred percent. Yeah. How do I know? Because I do it all the time. Yeah. Yeah. So you you had the world's uh, worst boss. So you're learning in terms of if, if there's something that you need done, you need to be able to communicate that to the people around you. Absolutely, and you know, just having. And I didn't know it at the time, but just 
setting expectations and really saying, what does winning look like? You know, one of the, uh, and I'm not a big sports fan, but I use sports analogies all the time because you mm-hmm. think of Tom Brady just uh, retired after a yeah. stellar career. Yes. But can you imagine any professional football player say, hey, let's go to the sandlot and, and play. Let's go to an unmarked field. Um, winning is somewhere over there and we'll tell you, eh, maybe. And then, you know, how many times did the Sandlot called do-overs or yeah. no, you didn't get to the bush. You only got to the shrub or, <laughs> you know, professionals don't do that. Not only yeah. do they need to know where the goal line is, but every one of those five yard marks, 10 yard marks and the hash marks in between and ex- knowing exactly that every field is going to have the same measurement so that they always know what winning looks like. I, I looked for that um, mm. again, much like college. It was like, yeah, you know, I have a goal. I'll let you know if you get there. Okay. And okay. I was lost. Went to work. I have a goal. I'll let you know if you get there. And <laughs> so, I was lost. So you went to work, you were there, bad boss. And then, so you, so obviously you didn't stay in that situation because you've continued to evolve and to grow, right? Well, with that same company, uh, I ended up working there almost a dozen years, uh, but I was the the youngest store manager. Well, fr- fr- in that same location, I became uh, a supervisor, then a department head, then an assistant manager. And while I was still at that location, they had a position that they called manager at large. And basically, I went, um, still had that store as a home base in Christiansburg, um, and bounced to six or eight other stores to put out fires, to help do grand openings, to do all these things. After I had started figuring out how to install systems and after I had figured out how I need to learn that actually connects. And and part of that was, um, again, showing my age books on tape, you know, before CDs even, uh, and, and being an auditory learner and being able to execute some of those things. And it's just like, why doesn't everyone do this? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then from there, became the youngest store manager in the company um, at 21 years old um, wow. and would sit in rooms full of, uh, you know, district managers, VPs. Uh, and I remember being in that in, in one of those rooms. And there was probably 15 or 20 of us in the room. And they looked at uh, one of the ladies two or three seats away from me. They said, oh, I think you're the youngest manager we have. How old are you? And, and again, um, she said, well, I'm 26. And I remember biting my tongue and kind of leaning back, you mm-hmm. know, not wanting to be singled out as being five years younger than she mm-hmm. was. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. At Banowitz Marketing, we succeed when you succeed. Build a thriving family business with great marketing that actually works. How? Start with comprehensive marketing direction and a clear action plan. Then get attentive expert help and choose whether that help comes as done for you services or as done with you guidance. Visit us at thrivingfamilybusiness.com to get started today. So now now you're in management, you're able to take some of the lessons that you've learned about how not to communicate or how not to function and you're actually employing this now. Some of them. And again, not a ton, you know, just like Sisyphus every morning starts that ball rolling. And that, that first revolution is a lot of work. Yeah. Um, So, but, you know, started to learn some systems and really find some things that work every time you use them. 
Mm-hmm. And it, it's amazing. Uh, we don't have to reinvent the wheel. We don't have to start at the bottom and start pushing every morning. Yeah. Um, when we use these things, we get to to build momentum. And once we have momentum, we get to add a little bit more juice to it. So you took the concept of how you learn and implementing systems and you've taken that, you know, part of what your analogy was saying on a football team, you have to know where the goal line is, where the measurements are. It's all the same. So now you can come up with your systems and your strategy to actually execute what it is you want to execute. And so you've taken this approach and where else have you applied it? Well, that's kind of funny because in retail management, you know, retail has gone through many, many shifts and not just recently, but back, uh, this is over 20 years ago now, having these systems and having these processes and also implementing them in, in our lives, my wife and I decided um, if we wanted to have kids and grow our family, that retail management was probably the worst possible place for anybody <laughs> to be that, that wants to spend time with their kids, specifically yeah. at Christmas time. Yeah. So we came up with a plan to pay off everything that we had. We had uh, just our, our um, house payment and insurance, everything else. We were completely debt free. And when my wife uh, was pregnant with our first son. So the plan was for me to, to stay at home um, and, you know, be at home with the kids. So this was an unmentioned plan to my job. And sometimes, <laughs> you know, higher powers, uh, no matter what you believe, the, the universe conspires to help you win. Yeah. And our plan was she was due in August. And our plan was for me to work through May of that year. And it was 2002. Mm-hmm. Well, February 28th, uh, coming up on an anniversary, as a matter of fact, oh, wow. years ago, uh, my district manager walks in and we knew that there was um, a corporate restructure going on. And they had some district managers and some people in the corporate office that were being not let go, but there was restructuring and, and displacements and they were given several different options. Well, the more senior you were, the more um, options that you had. And one of the options was to take over management of a store. And I was running one of the largest stores um, in our area. And it happened to be in the hometown of not my district manager, but one of the other managers that was on the store set team. Well, his option was to take over my store. Oh, wow. So on the 28th of February, my district manager comes in and says, hey, we've got this restructuring going on. We have some options, but this is what's happening. You can either take another store or we've got a six-month severance package. Um <laughs> And so I was like, you know, to be completely fair, uh, we're five months pregnant. I hadn't let you know because, again, this is our first and, and you know, and it, long story short, it was like the universe saying, not only do we want you to get out of this job, but here's a little bonus. Enjoy yourself for the, you know, so I spent the next seven years at home with oh, my two wow. kids, then two kids. Um, and. If you can imagine uh, the the lone dad on the playground that doesn't have a diaper bag because at the time, forgive me, uh, fashion police, but all I wore was cargo shorts. But I had enough pockets to keep <laughs> everything I needed, not for two kids, but in, in the same time, um, I say I borrowed two girls to keep my two boys company. Oh. Uh, our neighbors um, had had kids that were about the same age, so I had all four of them with me all the time. Oh, wow. And that's, uh, you know, Brady, that's pretty cool, man. You were able to, at an early age, construct the life that 
you want it. You know, one of the things that we talk about here on the podcast, as you know, is helping people win at work and at home and how you can actually take the steps to design the kind of life that you want. And you're a living example of that. Not only have you done it there, you've done it in other areas and as you've continued to progress, but that that's a really cool story. Yeah. And it, it again, the universe will conspire to help you win mm-hmm. uh, every time. It is amazing how many resources get drawn to you. Uh, and all my wife and I did was say, you know, retail is not the best environment to raise kids. Yeah. And everything came to, to show us, get out of retail and do this instead. So in the oh, meantime, cool. um, as I'm hanging out with four kids, um, you know, two of mine and two borrowed, uh, an opportunity at FedEx comes up and it's working two to three hours per evening. So it would be from six 30 to, to nine 30, given or taken. Um, and Oh, by the way, it comes with benefits. Ooh. And so I'm like 12 hours a week. Plus I get full medical dental and uh, vision, the whole spiel. So it allowed my wife to continue doing what she did, but actually make a considerable amount more money because she created her own company and then subcontracted out to the school system, um, which if you know anything about schools, uh, they don't pay a, a ton. Yeah, but when yeah. you have a, a specialized uh, need that's federally mandated, they contract mm-hmm. out to, to private companies. So it allowed us really to continue that that next step. Um, okay. And who else better to learn systems and frameworks and repeatable processes than a transportation industry that runs the world on time. Yeah. So it was this beautiful thing that again was installing all of these these things that I didn't have as a younger person that I that I missed um from my college experience and and from that early uh, working experience and this was just another level of repeatable processes that work every time you use them. Wow. Um, okay. From there I was on the line for most of the time and then I also did dangerous goods specialist specialist which just kind of goes back to my need for detail and, and order, mm-hmm. um, but blew my shoulder out um, and not an uncommon injury in the transportation uh, industry. We had two guys that worked on the, uh, in the warehouse with me and they both had shoulder surgery. Oh, wow. One guy was back at work in six to eight weeks, you know, feeling better than ever. Not, not a problem. The other guy had a repeated surgery, ended up on disability and never, you know, was able to, to restore full function in his oh, shoulder. Wow. Yeah. So I had a sample of two at a 50% success rate. <laughs> so when my shoulder, you know, started and I had, you can still see a, a lateral deviation, mm-hmm. um, but my right shoulder was about two inches lower than my right, than my left. Oh, wow. Um, and I decided, you know, you can never uncut somebody, but mm-hmm. maybe there's other things that you can do. And that was my introduction to massage therapy, which iterated really my third career. Oh, wow. Um, okay. From there, uh, not only did, did massage therapy help me restore function in my shoulder, but my wife was rear-ended. I had a pretty significant injury um, and wanted me to, to constantly rub her neck and shoulders. And I was like, your, your neck is kind of the, the gateway to your brain, and I don't know enough to not hurt you. She mm. said, we'll go find out. So she sent me to massage therapy school. Oh, cool. Um, and that's how I started my wellness center, but well, eventually for years, I saw people 
in and out of the massage therapy industry. When I, when I first got in there, actually when I first, because I ended up going back to teach at the community college where I was certified, the statistics were the average salary for a massage therapist in, in the United States was $22,000 a year. Mm-hmm. 84% of all massage therapists had at least one other job just to make ends meet. Wow. 50,000 massage therapists every year left the profession for the number one of three reasons, but the number one reason they left is because they couldn't make any money. But on the flip side of that same coin, 42% of all spas, resorts, hotels, um, wellness clinics were looking for massage therapist help. So the, the equations didn't line up. Yeah. And again, knowing now what I learned in retail management and working for the world's worst boss, I could look around and see a, why those salons and spas and resorts needed help or could keep help. And I also saw why massage therapists didn't make any money. I want to invite you to the next unwebinar. What is an unwebinar? It's no slides, no sales pitch, just added value. These are small group discussions that are designed to really be two-way conversations between you and myself, where you can get insight and advice on the issues that you're dealing with today. The overall goal is to equip you with what you need so that you can win at work and at home. Understand you do not have to do it alone. Sign up for the next UnWebinar today. So after working Ooh. for somebody else and, and being a subcontractor for years and begging them to to not only you know try some different things because what they were doing wasn't working, um, I fell into the, those very same statistics. I was actually a little bit lower. I made fourteen thousand dollars a year uh, as a contractor. I worked two other jobs because I continued working at FedEx after I mm-hmm. got certified, and I worked three nights a week overnights at Harris Teeter. Um, again taking all of this time to find the missing parts, to find okay. the processes that were missing that caused the disconnect for, for people not being able to make money. And that's when I found these systems that work every time you use them. And, they, and it's funny because it all comes back to that manager that was expecting somebody to do something, but never told them. Oh, wow. It's simple so, communication. It is hmm. simple just setting the expectation and telling people what they need to do to achieve success. Wow. So let me, let's unpack that for a little bit. So, all right, you were at FedEx, you got the opportunity to to go to FedEx. You're doing the FedEx thing. You blow out your shoulder and you're like, oh my goodness, I don't want to have surgery. I, I see what, you know, it could help. It could hurt. Are there any other options? Got introduced to massage therapy, your wife got rear in it. You're doing, you know, you're trying to help your wife, but you're like, there's more to this. There has to be more. And she says, you know what? Go to school, go learn about it, you know, and then you can come help me. Right. So then you come back, you're 100%. able to, to help her get better, but then you're able to see, and, and it's interesting throughout your whole story, you're looking, you're observing, but you're able to see the gaps. And when you begin to see the gaps, you're like, ooh, this system can help fill that gap. And this system can fill that gap if these other people would only see the the world as I see it, they would be able to make money. And, And so you took all of this, 
you launch out and you start your own thing. What happened next? Well, let me tell you, I, during this time where I'm working three jobs and still being contracted for somebody else, um, I'm, I'm again, inputting all these things when I'm working overnights, I've got headphones on and I'm listening to, to again, books on tape or downloaded books at that point. This was mm-hmm. in the, the early teens. Um, I'm still inputting all these in, this information and, and searching for frameworks and formulas and things that I'm looking for the keys to, to fit that lock because I yeah. know there's got to be something. And I've acquired all of this stuff. And I found, be real honest with you, James, when you said that, uh, that we wanted to talk about uh, some some of what made me or got me here today. Yeah. Uh, we started talking about my least favorite subject, and that's me. But I found this framework that actually says the way to grow business is to invite other people into a story and not tell your story. Mm. And that was when I found the key that worked for me. So in 2016, late 2016, I was um, my kids had both gotten into a magnet school uh, in town, which meant we were driving about 30, way, 30 miles away every morning. I was coming back uh, almost 45 minutes because I was working on the other side of, of the house. Mm-hmm. Um, and then bouncing back and forth, back and forth, large chunks of time. So I had this opportunity to open my own place um, in late 2016. On January 9th of 2017, I had $0. I had zero clients and one signed lease with the opportunity to make it or break it. Mm -hmm. And again, this is in an industry where people struggle to make money, struggle to, to make $20,000 a year. And where you were making $14,000 a year and having two other jobs. And I gave all that up. (laughs) Yeah. 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 So again, I'm back to the goose egg. This is literally a brand new start line. Okay. January of 2017 by March of 2018 using just, and again, this framework hadn't even been published yet. This is based on a series of, of interviews. You know the system I'm yeah, talking about. Yeah, I you're talking about build, building a, a story brand. You're talking about the story brand framework. Yeah. I found an interview with, with Don Miller in 2015 before story brand was story brand. And he started his building a story brand podcast in 2016. Mm-hmm. And the book wasn't even published until actually I got the, the arc copy in October of 2017. So this is all grasping at these little pieces where and, and the, the attraction for me is you don't have to talk about yourself, talk about your customers. Yeah. So I started yeah. talking about customers, started telling them the problem that, that they had and the reason they didn't have to suffer from it anymore. Mm-hmm. And by March of 2017, just three months in, four months in, I was at about 50% capacity, which was already over the national average if you amateurize out for the year. By July of 2017, just eight months in, I was completely booked. I had two other part-time therapists that were helping me out. And I had already more than doubled the annual. uh, I think at that point I had made Mm $48,000. When we closed the books on 2017, we were over $120,000 for the year. Oh, wow. And on December 3rd of 2017, I looked at my landlord and said, I've outgrown this place less than it. Actually, December 3rd was the date that I signed the lease. Mm-hmm. Uh, January 9th was the day we opened. So on the anniversary, one year anniversary, I leased a space across the courtyard three times the size. We went from four rooms to 14 rooms. Mm-hmm. Mother's Day of 2018, we opened the new location. And before the end of 
2018, we doubled again. We closed that year with over $370,000 in revenue. I had grown the team. We had 17 tangential. Uh, didn't have any actual employees. It was uh, me and a bunch of contract people, but had 17 people that were somehow involved, whether it was contract therapists, um, other entities. Um, so again, growing based really on that one system. Again, this is 2018. In September of 2018, I attended the Store Brand Live workshop. <laughs> got to meet Don in person. Um, got to actually learn the system that I was trying to, to scrape together and, and yeah, yeah. piece together from podcasts and from re reading the book and rereading the book and practicing on, on our CRM systems. And so that was 2018. 2019 comes and we had grown. By the end of 2019, we were seeing over 500 clients a month. We had an active client list of over 3,300 clients in less than three years in an industry where people struggle to make money. Um, where people can't seem to get the help that they need. And again, all this was based on this, just this one repeatable framework that works every time you use it. And again, just like your audience, the engineers recognize these things and, and the principles they use, you know, gravity works every time you try it. When, when yeah. gravity stops working, so do I. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, you know, Brandon, that's a really interesting point and interesting part of your story is being able to apply this system, this marketing framework. It's really not just marketing, but communications framework as you are inviting your customers into this story. And it's a story you're clearly articulating what problem you solve, who you who you solve it for, and saying it's just not right. It's just not right that you have to suffer from this. And so we're here to help you get over whatever that is. But so that's one part. So that that brings the people in. But there's something else that you're doing with your contractors and other folks because they're there, right? They're working. If they're not working and contributing, then you don't have the capacity to see the 500, uh, you know, uh, folks a month or third. You know, you don't have that. One hundred percent. And I love that that you made that slight correction. It's not a marketing framework, and I never considered anything that I did actual marketing. I, mm -hmm. It is a communication. It is the strongest communication framework that it is known to man. Uh, and again, <laughs> the, the way that I say what I do now is I actually get people to raise their hand and step towards you. And again, you know, the six critical areas of business, but when you can talk to customers so that they raise their hand, they lean in and you never yes. chase a sale again. When yes. you can talk about the opportunities that you have, the mission that your company is, is driven to achieve, the right employees, not any employees, the right employees say, I want to help you achieve that mission. So you never hire the wrong person. When you're looking for tangential business partners or people that need to help your customers so that your customers win, you attract the right business partners, the right resources in all six. And it's based just on that way that you learn to communicate and the way that you can Talk about your business so that you're attracting people you're not chasing. Hey, this is James, and I'm here to help you win at work and at home. Let's connect. You can use the link in the show notes to schedule a complimentary session. We're going to walk through the steps that it's going to take for you to start thriving so you can engineer your success and live the life that you love. Come on, sign up today. Absolutely. And you turned all of that 
the experiences that you've had from the retail store, from working at FedEx, from, you know, now being a massage therapist to owning a highly successful uh, massage therapist enterprise, a wellness center. And then, okay, now you're doing my clear message. So what what was the transition? I, I can understand, you know, hearing what you're talking about, the communication framework, it's clear why you chose what you chose in terms of your clear message, because the message has to be clear. But talk a little bit about that. So thankfully, nothing has happened that disrupted anything in the past year. And we can all just keep doing <laughs> what we're doing, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> well, so like I said, in January of 2019, we're billing over 60000 or yeah, $60,000 a month. So mm-hmm. we are set for 2020. We are so excited because not only are we growing... Uh, but we've got the momentum, we've got the right team, we've got everything in our favor, except the world shuts down. COVID. <laughs> yeah. I did not say that. Yeah. <laughs> so, but, so what do we do? You cannot give a massage through Zoom. Yeah. Not that I tried, I'm just assuming that, you know, maybe somebody <laughs> figured it out and they're making millions. Um, but no, so what do we have to do? We've got to do something. In the meantime, I was in North Carolina. Um, You know, we've got to survive. I don't know how to get out of this. Thankfully, based in part on on some early good decisions, are in addition to to doing very well financially and generating revenue, we paid off all debt. We owed absolutely nothing. And we had a pretty decent chunk um, sitting in the bank for um, five to six months of expenses. Mm -hmm. But what's happening? What all we had was question marks. So my wife's company offered her uh, a transfer because the uh, office here in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina had been uh, vacant for a while. And they'd offered it to her before and things were going great. We didn't need to to move. And they offered it to her again. And we thought, well, with everything else being a question mark, maybe this is the time. So I went to my landlord and kind of explained the situation to him. And he says, you know, I just got off the phone with somebody who's looking for space. but I don't think this space will work for them. But we've got another existing tenant um, that their unit has not been renovated and updated, but that space would work for the person that called. Let's see, let's schedule a tour and see what we can do with this existing tenant. Mm -hmm. And I mentioned earlier that sometimes you will know the universe is conspiring to make (laughs) you win. Yes, yes. So one of my neighbors came over in in the office park and that space was going to work fantastic for them. And the tenant that the landlord had gotten off the phone with was thrilled with the opportunity to get the space that they were currently in. So we negotiated uh, out of the lease. And again, everything kind of just worked itself out. Wow. However, in, in transitioning states, you know, there's a whole process and then the world was still closed. So what do I want to do? Well, I started looking around and realizing that not only massage therapists, not only wellness centers, not only um, you know service-based centers, but there were so many business owners that didn't have any process. Every morning they woke up at the bottom of the hill and Sisyphus Rock was waiting for them. Yeah. So I figured this out for me. So I wanted to see, does it actually work every time I try it or does it work every time anyone tries it. 
Um, now, thankfully, J.J. Peterson helped me along here, and he'd gotten his doctorate proving how narrative traction works and proving how this system works, not in my situation, but in every situation. Yeah. So that's when I said, you know, I'm going to do more good in the world by helping a lot of people set this framework into place and build their business, build their service industry, spend time with their family, finally get unlocked and untied from their phone. Mm-hmm. Um, and never have to worry about, you know, returning that, that 9 PM phone call. Yeah. Yeah. No, Brandon, that, that is, man, it's an awesome story. It's an awesome, the journey that you've had kind of self-learning, finding frameworks that work for you, being able to then install all of these different pieces into what you are doing right now with my clear message. Listen, if people are, you know, they're listening to you that like, I need to hear more from Brandon. I need to find out more about what he's doing. What's the best way for people to to connect with you? I would love to spend some one-on-one time with people. I mean, you can find me on on the socials, uh, but I would actually love to to talk with people. So the best way to get up with me is go to myclearmessage.com. Click the big green button that says schedule a call and spend 30 minutes. It doesn't cost you a thing. I would love to learn about you and your business and how I can help you uh, install some frameworks so that your life, so that you win at life and at work. That's right. You got to win both. So that's myclearmessage.com to be able to connect with Brandon. Brandon, I want to thank you again for your time, the value that you've added to everyone, all of the listeners of the Engineer Your Success podcast, I'm going to end this session like I end every interview. And I really do mean it, that many people know what to do and there are fewer people that know how to do it. Then there's that select group of people that actually follow through, do it, and they're able to live the life of their dreams. Brandon, I want to thank you because you are part of that select group and you are helping other people enter into that group, man. Thank you so much. I appreciate it, James. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Engineer Your Success with Dr. James Bryant. Do me a favor and subscribe to the podcast. Leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast player. Many people know what to do. Fewer people know how to do it and a small fraction of people actually do it. I believe that you can have success both in business and in life, and it's my passion to guide you on your path to engineering your success. Thanks.